You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary. It's been a while. My name is Jeff. I'm the children and youth pastor here. And before we get started, I want you, you guys to get to know me a little better, but I want to know you a little better. Let me ask you a question. How many of you love coffee? You love coffee. I mean, like, you cannot function without coffee. Like, you don't talk to anyone in the morning, or you don't let anyone talk to you before you have your morning coffee. Like, maybe you even have coffee air freshener in your car. How many of you would fall into that category? Like, you love coffee that much, all right? Anyone hate coffee, like, completely? All right, good. Um, if there's one thing that I absolutely love personally, it's coffee. And during this quarantine, I've drank um, at least three cups of coffee every single day. I, it's like every time I have a meal, I have to have coffee first. I can't get my day started without coffee, and I can't continue my day in the afternoon without it. I'm obsessed. And toward the end of last year, I actually upgraded to this really fancy espresso machine. Not only that, but I got a cool grinder to go along with it. So I'm, I'm, I'm in deep right now because... The reason I got this machine and this grinder is because I was spending way too much money out at coffee shops. Anyone ever been there? Spent too much money at Starbucks or other coffee shops? Yeah. So that was me. And I believed um, by getting that it was a worthwhile investment because in the long run, if I did the math, I was going to start saving money. So every morning when I wake up, I turn on my coffee machine. I let it warm up a little bit. And then I put the, the porta filter, the thing where the coffee grounds go in, into the grinder. I grind my freshly roasted Wells coffee beans that have been roasted within the last three weeks because it has to be fresh, all right? And then I let the espresso, um, so I, I let the beans come out. I put it in the machine. I let the espresso come out. Not only does the espresso come out, but I'm weighing the espresso as it's coming out, and I'm timing it. So I'm pretty serious about this. And then when that's done, I get my milk pitcher and I froth the milk and I wanna make sure that I have the perfect microfoam so I can create some latte art, or at least what I try to create is latte art. I actually can make coffee that looks like this. This is an actual picture right here. So it's not, it's not my best work, but it's pretty good. Thank you for that. Uh, so now, you know, I believe the coffee I make at home comes close to the coffee that I can get at a cafe. And uh, a lot of you might not understand it, but honestly, coffee is a lifestyle. And for those of you that love coffee, you understand this. And if you haven't realized it yet, I love coffee. I love coffee so much. It's what I love. It's what I'm passionate about. And the same is true for all of us, right? Th that the thing that you love ends up being what you're passionate about. Love is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It produces a passion that only love can. And I love other things, right? I love my wife, Jasmine. I love our daughter, Penelope. I love the Miami Heat, and I believe they're going to go to the finals and win it. Yeah. I love Cuban food. Anyone love Cuban food? I love Apple products, and I also love Disney. I was in Disney World, like, last week. It's awesome. Even though I had to wear a mask, it was still a good time. How about you? What do you love? What are you passionate about? I want you to think about it right now, whether you're in this room or you're online. Just think about it. I want you to fill in the blank in your head or on your outline. If you look at the top of the outline, for me, it says, I love coffee. If you don't have an outline, you can follow along on the app. And I want you to fill in the blank. What do you love? I love something. We all love something. What's the point? The point is that we all love something. What's the first thing that came to your mind? Maybe you thought, maybe you're like me, you love coffee. Or maybe you thought, I love sleeping. And if I, you think, like, if I don't take a nap every single day, then my day is going to be ruined. 
Or maybe you thought, I love my family. My family means so much to me, and I will always care about them. Or maybe you're listening today, and you, you would say, I love money or materialistic things. If there's something you want, and you got to have it, you're going to make sure you do everything in your power to get it. Maybe some of you are, are uh, car fans in, in here, and you love Tesla. You have a dream of driving a Tesla. Maybe that's you because it's electric, and it's kind of like my coffee machine because in the long run, it's going to save you money, right? Because then you don't have to pay for gas anymore. Sounds awesome, you, but your electric, electric bill might go up, right? But maybe you're here, and you really want to move into that new house down the street because it has just the right amount of rooms. It has the nice kitchen that you've always wanted. Or maybe you're here, and you're just not sure what you love, and you're just kind of struggling because the people that you love so much don't seem to be reciprocating the love back to you. They're, they're just not reciprocating how you feel about them. Maybe you're in college, and you're kind of struggling with school, especially with everything being online. It's super hard for you to focus. Or maybe you're here today, and you have kids, and you just want the best for them, right? So you try to set up their life to be perfect so they can succeed, and they can be great in life, but they don't seem to be doing as well as you had expected. Or maybe you're in here today and you're in a relationship and you're just struggling to figure this God thing out. You don't understand how to bring God in the middle of the relationship because maybe it never started with God at the center of it. You see, whatever you love today, I'm glad you're listening. Whether you're in this room or you're online, I'm super glad that you're listening because not only do we experience and exhibit life, uh, love in our own lives, but there's also this moment in the Bible that I want to look at together is going to help us understand what love is all about. We're going to look at a moment in the life of Jesus that I believe can change our perspective on love. My hope is that you know Jesus better and realize that he is who he says he is. We're going to look at a conversation that the Apostle John records between Jesus and Nicodemus. Some of you might be familiar with it. If not, I'm going to give you some background on the story. So Nicodemus was trying to understand from Jesus like, what is salvation all about? What is it exactly? And Nicodemus is a Pharisee, right? So he lives by the rules of Judaism. If there was a rule, he followed it. He was even on the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. So Nicodemus was basically on the Supreme Court in Israel. So this guy knew everything, right? He knew all of the laws. He knew all of the rules that any Jew should follow. So if there's anyone that knew what it meant to follow God as a Jew, it's Nicodemus, right? We're going to start by looking, if you have your outline or if you're online, you can click the link and follow along. We're going to start by looking at John 3, 2. This is Nicodemus speaking. He came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. You see, what's interesting about this at the beginning, it says that he came at night. He came at night, many believe, because he didn't want people to know that he was doing this, right? Because he's in a high position, high authority. He doesn't want people to know that he's asking Jesus these questions. But he had questions and he wanted answers. And even though Nicodemus was a religious leader, he recognizes that there's something different about Jesus than what he's experienced before. Nicodemus knew in his mind and his heart that Jesus came from God. Plus, every one of Jesus' supernatural acts or miracles were a sign pointing to something. He's not just meeting needs, but these signs were going somewhere. It was pointing to God. And this is what Jesus replies in John 3, 3. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus is probably thinking like, what? That sounds confusing. What do you mean? And Jesus is probably thinking like, you know I, I come from God, but I'm, I'm not sharing things that you've heard before. I'm sharing things that maybe you haven't thought of. What I'm saying you may not understand, 
um, right now, but you're going to understand it eventually. No one can see God unless they're born again. See, this is a metaphor. He's not speaking literally. Like, you don't have to literally go back into your mother's womb. That's not possible, right? And Nicodemus is probably thinking, like, what do you mean I can't see the kingdom of God? I'm Jewish. Like, if there's anyone that knows this, it's me because I was born into it. But Jesus is saying, in order to be in the kingdom of God, that there's something else that you need. Nicodemus replies this, John 3, 4. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So he knows this isn't literal, literal, but he's not 100% sure what Jesus is talking about, right? And Nicodemus is probably thinking, I was born into this Jewish way of life. It's all I know. Like, what do you mean, Jesus? Jesus tells him this, verses 5 through 8. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus is probably wondering at this point, like I had a simple question. Why couldn't he, he couldn't just give me an answer? He's like giving me the runaround. Um, but he's probably wondering where is this going? Like what does he mean by this? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. There's something more to enter, enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus is probably wondering, like, you of all people shouldn't be surprised at what I'm saying because the spirit is like the wind. You know there's wind. You feel the wind. You feel the effects of the wind. But you don't know where it's coming or where it's going, right? And God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. But Jesus is telling Nicodemus here that God is everywhere. God is for everyone. He is spirit. An entrance into the kingdom of God requires a spiritual birth. This gets pretty interesting in these next verses. In verse 9, Nicodemus replies, how can this be? He's confused still. Jesus tells him this, you're Israel's teacher and do you not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you, if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. You see, Nicodemus wants to understand. He wants to know what Jesus is talking about, but he can't quite understand it. So Jesus tells him about something that Nicodemus should be familiar with, and it's Moses. What is he talking about here? You see, the I'm going to explain it right now. The nation of Israel is in the desert, right? They're going from Egypt to the promised land. They're trying to enter the promised land that God promised them. And in the desert that they're in, there's snakes everywhere. And people are getting bit, and many of the snakes are poisonous. And Moses makes a bronze snake and puts it up on a pole. You can actually look this up in the Old Testament. And when anyone who was bit by a snake would look at that bronze snake, they would live. All right? It wasn't the physical bronze snake that healed them. It was God doing something in them. It was a spiritual thing. And this is what Jesus is alluding to. Jesus is saying, in the same way that that snake helped, helped those people live, I'm going to be lifted up, and people who believe in me will receive eternal life. That's powerful, isn't it? But it doesn't end there. The most well-known, often quoted Bible verse, and you guys probably know it. If you don't know it, you heard a Christian quote it to you at one point or another, and maybe you saw it on the back of an 18-wheeler. Um, you've heard this verse before. I'm going to read it to you. It's John 3, 16 and 17. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave 
his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, what does the story of Nicodemus mean for us? If there's anything that you remember, anything you walk away with today, I want you to walk away with this idea. I want you to write it down on your phone, write it down on your notes. It's this, Jesus revealed God's love. Jesus revealed God's love. How do we know this? Because God sent Jesus as a rescuer. If he wanted to condemn us, if God wanted to condemn us, he would have sent a condemner. And Jesus, that, that's one of my favorite um, verses, John three seventeen, because it talks exactly about that. About that. Um, but Jesus never gets frustrated with Nicodemus. He doesn't tell Nicodemus, like, follow me or else. They're simply having a friendly conversation. He explains what his life, what Jesus' life meant. And if it was, it was up to Nicodemus ultimately to decide whether, what, what he wanted to do with this new information, right? For God so loved the world, God so loved you that he sent Jesus so you can experience God's love, so you can see God's love. This is where God's plan of salvation started and was born out of. Jesus came to give us a new purpose, give us a new way of life. He came to save you and I, and ultimately came to save the world. Not just us, but anyone who wants to draw close to him. That's the kind of love that God wants you to know about when you put your faith in Jesus. A kind of love that will look past your flaws and see you for who you are and not for what you've done. That's the kind of love that I want to know more, right? A love that's going to wipe away my past and help me live a brighter future. And it's available to all of us. God's love for you is greater than anything you will ever experience. And God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to forgive us. Like I said, Jesus revealed God's love. God loves you more than I love coffee, all right? I love coffee a lot, and God loves you more than that. That sounds great, but you're probably wondering, like, what does this even mean for me, Jeff? Like, how do I live believing in God's love for for me, for us? Like, how do we live this out? What does this mean for us? How do we apply God's love to our lives? You see, I believe that we all have an important part to play, and there's a few things that if we truly understood about God's love, that our lives can be transformed, the lives around us will will be transformed, and people will begin to see God more clearly, and we'll be able to experience God's love more clearly as well. I love something else the Apostle John shares, and this is going to help us get to our first point of application. Um, In another letter he wrote, the book of 1 John, he writes this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So write this down. God's love sets us free. God's love sets us free. Jesus alludes to this when he's speaking to Nicodemus. You see, those laws you follow are great. He's basically telling Nicodemus, and some of them are probably important, but that is not what's going to bring you true freedom. That's not what's going to bring you um, the joy that you're looking for. Religion and following rules is only going to get you so far. And Jesus is saying, and John is reminding us, that a relationship with me is is what's going to set you free. What exactly does this mean for us? That when we follow Jesus, Jesus, our past is no longer held against us. Jesus met the standard for us. We'll never truly know God's love until we, we experience his forgiveness for us. And God is loving above everything else. You know, for those of us that have been Christians for a while, like we know this, right? We've lived it out before. We know that in our hearts that freedom comes from Jesus. Maybe those of you that don't believe in, in God yet, don't believe in Jesus yet, 
This is something you have to realize too, that freedom comes from Jesus alone, comes through Jesus alone. And when I say that, I know that if each of us are honest, myself included, there's some things that we need freedom from, right? There's a lot of things we need freedom from. Maybe during quarantine, if we're honest, we haven't been treating our family in the best way we can, like we're spending so much time with them and we haven't been treating them in the best way. Or maybe we haven't taken this whole thing seriously and we've just kind of been sitting around, lazy, waiting for the days to just end and the weeks to end and the months to end so life can go back to normal. So you're just kind of sitting around, moping around. And you, you know exactly what it is you need freedom from, right? Maybe it's the thing you said you loved a second ago. Um, I believe we all need freedom from something. And what's crazy about this Nicodemus story is Nicodemus' story changes, right? Um, we spoke about him a second ago, but there's this moment. I'm not going to read the verse, but you can read it um, later, John 7, 50 through 51. But there's this moment that Nicodemus is having a discussion with other Pharisees. And they're discussing that basically no leaders believe in Jesus yet, is, is their argument. But guess who speaks up to defend Jesus? Nicodemus. We see Nicodemus in, in John 7, 50 through 51, we see that Nicodemus is standing up for Jesus. He's defending him to the other religious leaders. Like, how wild is that? Like, this guy who was a Pharisee, a religious leader, who knew everything about everything there's to know about Judaism and his religion, is standing up for Jesus. Not only that, but later on we know that Nicodemus ends up accepting God's love and becomes a follower of Jesus. After Jesus dies on the cross, we see that Nicodemus joins Joseph, one of Jesus' disciples, to get his body. So Nicodemus is one of the guys to, that shows up with Joseph to take his body and to help bury him and put him in the tomb. This was unheard of for any religious scholar at the time, right? This is wild. Nicodemus was set free because of God's love and what Jesus talked to him about. You see, he, may, he might not have believed on day one, but he came to believe in Jesus sometime after that conversation. And maybe you're like Nicodemus today, not believing today. Maybe you have a lot of questions that are unanswered, and I believe that God wants to set you free too, just like Nicodemus was set free. God wants to set you free from the very thing that you need freedom from. Maybe you've realized that you need to talk to God and ask for his forgiveness for whatever that is. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, our sin doesn't lead to death anymore. Our sin doesn't lead to condemnation. Our sin leads to forgiveness. And Jesus was good enough on our behalf. That's why he died for us. What we think disqualifies us from God's love, all our sin, our pain, the things we think disqualify us, are actually the very things that qualify us for God's love. Because if we were sinless, we wouldn't need to be forgiven. So let's confess our sins. Let's admit that we don't have all the answers and God is going to forgive you. You just need to talk to him. This is the forgiveness that a lot of us need, especially in the season we're in. Your weaknesses don't have to define you anymore. Your past doesn't have to define you because God's love sets you free. The second thing we should know is from this story where the Sadducees test Jesus. There are these group of religious leaders that denied that Jesus was the son of God. So they test them, and Jesus pretty much just shuts them down. He doesn't, um, he, 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 he shuts them up, basically. And then there's this other group of people called the Pharisees, and they decide, let's give it a shot. Let's try to test Jesus. And the Pharisees, like I said earlier, they live a super strict lifestyle according to, to the Old Testament law. Remember, Nicodemus is one of them. So imagine their whole life is all about rules. So they find this moment to test Jesus because they know everything, and they try to trap him. And this is what happens. The Gospel of Matthew records it. 
Matthew 22, verse 35 through 39, it says this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus tells him this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second thing that we should know today is that God's love requires us to love others. Loving God first, but then loving others. This reminds me, uh, I believe that love is a choice, so let's, let's choose to love others. But this reminds me of this story um, that happened at home, and you have to understand, uh, full disclosure, my wife gave me permission to share this story, all right? And you can ask her, all of this is true. But ever since we bought our house seven years ago, something I loved doing for some reason, I have always been the person to load the dishwasher. Any dishwasher fans in the house? Cool, you're my people. But I love loading the dishwasher. I just find joy and pleasure in loading it for some reason, like putting the dirty dishes in there and then opening it later and then it's, cl it's clean. So almost every night I load the dishwasher and I make sure, if you guys are dishwasher loaders, you know this, I make sure to load it as efficiently as possible, right? You know that. And you're not gonna believe it, but in the last year my dishwasher broke. Mm, sad. It broke and I was devastated, but when it broke, like the first week I bought a new one right away because I couldn't handle washing dishes by hand, right? First world problems, I know. Um, but Jasmine, you know, every few weeks, my wife Jasmine, I love her to death, but she decides to give me a break from loading the dishwasher. So she's like, I'm gonna do the nice thing, I'm gonna surprise him, I'm gonna load the dishwasher for him. Um, so I don't have to worry about it, right? But you have to understand, my wife does not know how to load a dishwasher to save her life. She doesn't load it how I like it. She loads it wrong, completely wrong. The space is not maximized. Cups are all over the place. Plates are in the wrong spot. Like plates are not even lined up together. They're randomly placed. How many of you know that there's a right way to load a dishwasher, right? There's a right way. Yeah, amen. That's what we're here for. <laughs> dishwasher class. So I get so frustrated and I tell her, babe, there's a more efficient way to load it. And of course it ends up in an argument because she's just trying to help and I'm being a jerk, right? And even though she doesn't know how to load a dishwasher, at the end of the day, I still love her. And because God's love requires us to love each other even if she can't load the dishwasher, even though I'm a jerk. And so we apologize, we forgive each other, we, we move on. She loves me, I love her, and she never loads the dishwasher again. <laughs> and we move on from it. You see, God's love requires us to love others. And it's a silly story, but it's true. Jesus loves, so we should love. He, straight, he stayed true to who he was. So maybe this, for you, this means reaching out to someone that you haven't spoken to in a while. Maybe there's someone that's a coworker that you haven't seen since March and you haven't even spoken to them. Maybe you have to talk to them, show God's love to them. Maybe that means reaching out to a family member that you haven't seen in a while. Maybe they haven't spoken to in a long time because of some past pain or something else. Maybe it means reaching out to your friend that you stopped talking to because you disagreed about something on Facebook or something like that. You see, our love for others should be motivated based on God's love for us. Regardless of how perfect or imperfect we act, we don't deserve God's love, but he gives it to us freely anyway. And we have to extend that love to others. This is how others are gonna see what it means to follow Jesus and who the true Jesus followers are, simply by those who love others. Jesus loved others more than himself. Some of you, if you're honest, you've held things against others that look differently than you. Some of you have held things against others for years. Maybe your parents, 
maybe your ex-wife, your ex-husband, maybe that person that put you in a situation you never wanted to be in, maybe that boss that didn't give you the promotion you were expecting. Does this mean forgetting everything? No, but it means extending forgiveness, dealing with it, with God's love. You see, if we keep holding on to it, it's going to hurt us more than anything. And the last thing I want to share about God's love, actually, what I love about this part of the Gospel of John that we're about to look at is this. We're going to see a moment where Jesus is praying. Jesus prays for his disciples. And there's this moment where he shifts and he starts to pray for believers. This is actually Jesus' longest recorded prayer. And in the part we're going to look at, he's actually praying for all believers. So what does that mean? That means he's praying for us. You know, what's cool about this is, you know, we usually pray. Maybe we get on our knees or however you pray. You pray when you come to church. You're praying to God, right? But this is God praying for us. This is what I love about this verse. I'm going to read it to you. John 17, verse 20 through 23. It says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The last thing I want you to know is this. God's love compels us to be united. God's love compels us to be united. It's time that we decide as people to be united despite the division that we may face. Jesus is emphasizing the importance of unity for his followers. And the standard of unity is the unity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls us to be brought to complete unity. That's his hope for us as a body of believers, not just here at Calvary, but anyone who believes in Jesus. You see, there's so many things in 2020, we can just turn on the news that are going to divide us, right? Instead of letting those things divide us, let's come together under the name of Jesus united. Let's show others what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to love others, what it means to be set free, what it means to be united. And when the world sees us, when we're united, the world will see Jesus. And they will experience his love for them. So our goal should be complete unity with others. We should be united in what we say and what we believe and what we do. This is the unity that Jesus was praying and hoping for, for us, for his believers. We should agree with each other and make sure there are no divisions. Imagine for a moment if we lived this way. If we believed, if we truly believed that Jesus came down to earth, that Jesus revealed God's love. And because of that, we were set free. Because of that, we loved others. And because of that, we did everything in our power to be united. How different would our lives look? How different would our workplaces look? A lot of you working from home, not going into the office. How different would that situation look? You know, maybe you're tired of, and you're dreading getting in that Zoom meeting with your boss. How different would that look if we practiced this? You see, we would stop in our lives looking down on ourselves when we make mistakes. And we would seek the freedom that God offer, offers us through Jesus. We would love others, and not only would our life be transformed, but the lives of those around us would be transformed as well because we decided to respond in God's love. And 2020, like I said, has already been wild, has already been crazy, but let's decide for the rest of 2020 to do everything in our power with God's help to be united with those around us, even if we disagree.
especially those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, when quarantine is over and we start our new normal, God's love can be so evident in our lives that it's contagious. So don't let another day go by, another hour go by, another week go by without realizing how much God loves you and how he is activating us as believers to be a light in the world around us. So let's make the rest of this year different. Let's show people God's love. Let's show people who Jesus is by the way we're united, by the way we live like we're set free, and by the way that we love them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you for your love. Thank you for that conversation with Nicodemus where we just get so much insight on what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. I pray now, Father, that we would begin to live like we're set, like we're set free. That we would begin to love others more than we did yesterday. And that we would begin to be united despite the divisions that are around us, despite the divisions that we see on TV, on Facebook, all over the place, Father. You're calling us for unity. And we're grateful for that. And we just ask, Lord, that every person in this room, Lord, would draw closer to you today, that would live different today, that would believe that your love is so real for them, your love is so real on their life, and they don't have to live another day not worrying about whether you love them because of something that happened a long time ago or recently. You love them so much, God, you sent Jesus to forgive us. And because of that, we can draw close to you as our Lord and our Savior. I lift up every person in this room right now, any situation they may be facing. Maybe there's some things that people love that they shouldn't be loving right now. We lift that up to you right now, Father. Maybe there's People right now, they need to be set free, Father, and they need to accept Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you lead them in that decision. I pray that you do a work in their lives. Help us make the rest of 2020 different than it's been recently, Father. We lift this up to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.